You are listening to Every Campus, the second of a two-part series on missions. Every nation as a movement plants churches to reach the next generation. Know more about our heart for reaching the campuses in this audio message from Pastor Bernard Vivici. Magandang gabi. Do you understand that? Galeng, galeng. It's so good to be here. It's so good to be home. Are you glad you're in the service this evening? How many of you are really excited? But I'm really, really excited. And I hope that you're going to be excited with me tonight. I've actually always wanted to sit on this chair. I was wondering why it's here. Oh, no, this is not bad. I can swing from there to you and maybe all around. But it's really, really good to be here. I came across a very funny story the other day, and I really want to encourage you to laugh at the end of the story, because that will encourage me, because often if you tell a funny story, nobody laughs. You kind of feel bad. And so please help me and, 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 and laugh at the end. Um, you'll know when the end is. Um, the, a mother was in church with um, her, her little boy, and the little boy during the service turned to the mother and said, Mommy, I want to pee. Mother said, don't use that word, we're in church. When in church, you've got to use the word whisper. And the boy said, okay. Next Sunday, he's in church with his dad. And he turns to his dad and said, Dad, I want to whisper. So the dad said, yes, in my ear. Yes. Now, some of you did not get it. It's actually okay. Maybe get the podcast and re-listen to it. But it's so good to be here. For those of you who don't know how to spell my name, that's how you spell it. I do have a website. My name is Bernard with an H. I am Filipino. Um, because in the Philippines, you put an H in everything. Okay? And I do tweet every now and again. So if you want to follow me, you can follow me there. And and we're concluding the series on viral, but I thought I would just let you know what I've been up to over the last um, six, seven weeks. I've had a really hectic schedule when I returned back to Christchurch, and uh, I spent some time with Pastor Joey helping the church in um, Sydney, Australia, and they are two of our leaders from our two churches in Sydney. I also traveled with Pastor Joey Bonifacio to Melbourne, Australia. And uh, last week, our church in Christ Church, uh, we had a three-day planning meeting. And um, before our planning meeting, I landed up in hospital. I was in hospital for three days. Yes, I am there. I'm lying in the bed. Uh, if you look closely, that is me. I was there three days. I was giving birth to kidney stones. Um, so for three days in hospital, they were trying to check and see what's happening to the stone. And I have good news for you. Last Saturday night, eight days ago, I gave birth to a four millimeter stone. And uh, so in all in all this year, I've given birth to two stones, two males. Okay. But praise God, I'm well. And I'm in the Philippines. And I love being here. I love being able to to share Jesus with people, and to inspire people in their calling and their destiny. Uh, at the end of this year, in December, I actually travel with my wife and my one son 
to Cape Town, South Africa to attend two weddings. My son's getting married uh, on the 28th of December to uh, this beautiful lady from Cape Town. And um, also my daughter's getting married on the 18th of January. And so it'll be three weeks apart that they're getting married. But uh, I just want you to know that that man who's going to marry my son, my, I mean my daughter, I've been ver- working very hard on him. I've been discipling him all year. I've been very purposeful, strategic in making sure that the purple book gets into his heart, that more of the Bible, more of the presence of God and the power of God is in his life. Because I know that if he's full of Jesus, he will take care of my princess. And so, how many dads are here? You've got a daughter. Let me give you some advice. Are you listening? Go buy a purple book. And whenever a young man knocks on the door to take your daughter out, you sit and do the purple book with him. Even if you make sure it enters intravenously through his arm. Make sure there's lots of Jesus in him. Amen? Because if he's going to take away your precious princess, you want to know that she's going to be taken well care of. And all the dad said, come on, dad said, see some of the guys are like perspiring. Oh my goodness, I'm going to have to do the purple book. Absolutely. Hallelujah. You know, I want to continue and and finish the series on viral. And I've just really just listening to some of the the preachings from last week and, and, um, and just concluding the series. I want you to know that ideas have consequences. Ideas shape the world you and I live in. Every moment of every day, there is an idea. You see, when you look at this wonderful facility, somebody had an idea to put the big screen there. They didn't put it at the back. Somebody had the idea to put a stage here, to put the monitors in the front. And so the world you and I live in is shaped by ideas. The socks I am wearing. Somebody had an idea to make happy socks. And when I wear these happy socks, it makes me feel happy. But somebody had an idea. Let's make socks looking like this. The clothing that you're wearing. The designers had an idea. And throughout history, ideas have shaped the world you and I live in. Be it positively or negatively. You see, the world we live in has become a global village. You know, 50 years ago when there was no internet and, and, and there was no um, cell phones and things like that, change was very slow that, took, uh, that, that could take place around the world. Purely because of technology and the digital age that we live in now, change can happen in a moment. Something can go viral in a moment. Somebody might have an idea, like what you see on the screen now, about pork barrel. Somebody had an idea and put it out on social media and between a half a million and a million people gathered to protest against corruption in your nation. But it started with an idea. Now, I don't like the name of this this particular slide, pork barrel, because when I think of pork, 
I think of somebody who told me once, Pastor, if you eat pork, you will never grow old. He says you die young. And so I struggle to eat pork. Whenever I see pork, I think of what this man said to me. Maybe I need to go to Victory Weekend. But you see, friends, ideas that young people have shape the world that we live in. Schoolboys began the Syrian revolution. There were a bunch of schoolboys that thought of something, thought of an idea that started the revolution in Syria. This particular 17-year-old man who, who uh, put together an application, an app for cell phone, Yahoo paid him $30 million for his application. $30 million, not pesos, dollars. I don't know about you, but that is a lot of money. The world we live in, somebody had an idea many years ago, uh, Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook. The whole world's changed, every single one of us. You're on Facebook. I hope you're not on Facebook now. How many of you are on Facebook? I mean, not now, but you've got an account. Three of you. Come on. It's all of us. All of us. Guess what? Mark Zuckerberg had an idea. He worked on the idea. It went viral around the world. And our whole world has changed because of Facebook. You can't go to sleep at night until you've checked your Facebook. I can see you. Your one eye's closed and your phone's here. And you're checking your friend's status. Or you've just tweeted, sleeping now. Good night, everybody. Our whole world's changed. Friends, in the 90s, and, and this is you know, where I grew up, and I was very much part of, of, of what was happening. Um, I, I still remember I attended a, an AIDS course at a company I was working at, and it was, it was really a tough time because, because AIDS was becoming epidemic around the world. This particular movie, it's called, and the band played on, is a story about a, um, a doctor from Paris who was trying to work out why all these deaths of people were occurring around the world because of, of this virus called AIDS. That he found and he began to plot that th uh, there were so many deaths in London, New York, and San Francisco. Nowhere else in the world. It might have been a, a sporadic death year or somebody. But there was a concentration of people who were dying of AIDS in those three countries. And he, the man, the doctors and the people were puzzled by this. And did research and looked and see and made connections. And let me tell you something, friends. They traced it back to one guy. One guy carried the virus of HIV and he was a flight attendant. What was happening, he was flying New York, London, San Francisco. New York, London, San Francisco. And in each one of the places he was doing things that he shouldn't be doing. He was infecting people with the virus and people were dying. But praise God, we have another virus. Not this one. This is a foul virus that destroys people's lives. But we've got a virus that 
will bring a change in people's lives. And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I believe that this virus has already, it's lasted over 2,000 years. And it is still impacting people today, 2013. And so let us go to our text as we go to the scriptures because it's good to use the Bible. Amen? It's good to use the Bible. So if you do have your Bible here or your iPad or your iPhone or your i-something, just take out your eye and let's have a look at what's happening here. Acts chapter 17 verse 16. This is what it says. And Paul was waiting for them in Athens. And what was happening here? Paul and Timothy and Silas, they were going around doing their thing. And uh, Paul was sent to, to Athens. And he was waiting for Timothy and to Silas to, to join them in Athens. And he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. Let's pause there for a moment. The word waiting. Paul was waiting. question I want to ask each one of us is, When last have you paused? When last have you waited? And I'm not talking about a passive wait. Yet Paul was waiting for Timothy and Silas. It wasn't a passive wait. He was looking and he was seeing and he was looking at the city and what was happening in the city. And the Bible says that he was greatly distressed at what he saw. The word greatly distressed means there was a sudden violent reaction There was anger and there was grief at what he saw in the city. And the soul in the city was full of idols. Friends, when last have you just paused, waited, and looked at what's happening around you? Or does it not interest you? Do you know what's happening in your city? Do you know what's happening in your nation? Are you concerned what happens in the nations of the world? Because I mentioned uh, the, the world's a global village. It's a global village. We are all impacted by what's happening around the world. Verse 17 said, And so he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. And a group of epic. Uh, ep- Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Let's let's pause for a moment there. Friends, when you look and see what's happening around you, what happens in your heart? Because Edmund Burke said the following in the 1700s. He said the following. And this is a passage or a quote that I often quote. Because it means so much. It says, all that is necessary for the triumph of evil is that good men do nothing. Let me say that again. All that is necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Right, how many good men do we have here? And women? Five of you. Oh my goodness. No wonder the world is in a mess. Let me ask you again. How many good men and women do we have here today? Now if you didn't put up your hand, why not? You see, when you and I do nothing, evil will prosper. If you've got a garden at home, 
If you do nothing to your garden, weeds will take over and destroy your garden. But if you want a beautiful garden with beautiful plants and a beautiful lawn, you have to do something. All that is necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. I pray that you, that something will stir in your heart tonight to say, I am a good man, I'm a good woman. Evil is not going to prosper in my nation, in my city, in my community, in my school, in education, and whatever it is, I'm going to stand up for peace, joy, and righteousness in the Holy Ghost. And I'm not going to tolerate it anymore. You see, friends, if we take our hands off it, the devil will take complete control. You take your hands off raising your children, then you allow MTV to raise your children. You will, lay, you will allow Hollywood and Bollywood and Green Hills and DBDs to raise your children. God's entrusted children to you for you to raise in a godly way. So when we look at viral, we look at a virus and the spread of virus has three components to it. First of all, it, it has to have a carrier. Now, if you have ever had flu, guess what? You're a carrier of that flu and that influenza. And you, if you sneeze and don't put a handkerchief or sneeze into your hands, you spread it. Because you're a carrier of something. God's looking for carriers. The <coughs> there has to be a recipient. Somebody who will receive it. And why is it that when the husband's sick, the wife's sick? Why? Because the one's the recipient and the one's the carrier. And sometimes the children get sick. Why? Because somehow you kind of infect each other all the time. Then, of course, you have the virus. By the way, that's the HIV virus, the AIDS virus. But praise God, we're not talking about that virus tonight. We're talking about Jesus. His death, His burial, His resurrection, and what Jesus did for every single one of us. That's the virus we want to spread. Amen? That's four of you. That's the virus we want to spread. Amen, this group? Come on. Are you excited? Come on. Galeng, galeng. It's actually sobra galeng. Okay. Let's have a look at this. The carrier, the recipient, and the virus as we look at the passage of Scripture. Here it says, Paul was waiting. Our carrier is Paul. Friends, I believe God is calling us to be carriers of this virus. Who wants to be a carrier? Now, some of you are not putting up your hands. Maybe you do not understand what I'm saying. <clears throat> Maybe you're still thinking of that joke earlier. Please forget about the joke. Friends, I believe if, if you're a good person, God wants you to be a carrier. If you are a Christian here, God wants you to be a carrier. It's not about should I pray about it. No, no, no. You are a carrier. Because God says to us, go into all the world and make disciples. Every single one of us. So Apostle Paul in this, in this situation was the carrier. We are carriers as well. Verse 17 says, for he reasoned in the synagogue etc. And he went into the marketplace. And here we see the students, the young people. 
Friends, that's why the campuses of the world are so important for you and I. <laughs> because, we, because that's where ideas are formulated. That's where the students are hungry to learn and to grow. And here we see the students are in the marketplace. And we see that he started to debate with the Epicurean and the Stoic. The Epicurean people, philosophers, they were all about life is a pleasure. And what were the Stoic philosophers? They were into human reason and self-efficiency. They were into, guess what? Do you know that, that the humanists have their own Bible? One of the verses in the Bible is this. Their Bible. I can do all things through I who strengthens I. Why? Because it's about human reasoning. It's about I can do all things. I don't need an outside person, an outside God to help me. Because I am in control of my destiny. The Epicurean said, well, life's about a pleasure. Life's a party. Life's about, let's just enjoy ourselves. Let's get all the latest gadgets and let's just have fun and, and let's just drink ourselves. Let's experiment. Let's take drugs and let's be promiscuous. And I mean, let's just have fun. It's all about pleasure. Guess what? These people are on the university campuses and the college campuses today. If you travel around the world, this is the lifestyle of the college students. It's all about pleasure. It's all about, I don't need a God. Because I'm in control of my own destiny. These are the recipients of the virus. Right at the end we see the apostle Paul <coughs> was preaching good news about Jesus and the resurrection. That's the virus. That's the virus. So help me. Who's the, car who's the carrier? Who is the recipient? What's the virus? And I know you, and you're sitting and thinking, Pastor, this is amazing. But tell me why, Pastor, we have to be on every campus. I'm so glad you asked me that question. Because I've prepared. I've got all the answers for you. Why God's called us to be on every nation and on every campus. You want reason and motivation? I'll tell you. I've got eight points for you. Is that all right? Eight. Here we go. This is the first one. The campus is where the future leaders of society are located. Can I encourage you? Never ever be short-sighted that I want a quick fix today. You see, the God that we serve is a generational God. It's the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. We have to start thinking long term. I think I'm motivated by what I do because of my children. One day my grandchildren and one day my great-grandchildren. I want my grandchildren to live in a better world than you and I living in today. That's what motivates me. Our future leaders. How many of you want a godly politician to lead your country? Do you want to? Then you have to get onto the campus and reach the students with Jesus, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. How many of you want great uh, professors that are born again and spirit filled? Professors who, who teach, who teach um, good values to our students. You see, if we, want, we, if we want that, we've got to get onto the campus and reach people and infect people with the virus of Jesus Christ. 
How many of you want school teachers, teachers that will teach your children that are strong believers? What about, what about engineers? What about med- the medical profession? What about moms and dads? People are going to be moms and dads. and You want to raise up the next generation of children that love God. We've got to get onto the campus. Future leaders of society are studying on the college campuses of the world today. Let's not make a mistake and say, not interested. We have to think generationally. What will Manila and the Philippines be like for your children? Your grandchildren. Your great-grandchildren. Friends, let's not be a selfish generation and just think about ourselves. We have to think generationally. Why every campus? The campus is where major movements have started. If one looks around the world, at, 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 be it positively or negatively, turmoil or change that has happened, uh, it's happened on the college campuses. Somebody had an idea. We're not going to tolerate this anymore. And they will gather a crowd and a group of people and they will stand up against the authority of the day and bring change. Free speech movement in the, in the 60s. These were students who protested against the administration. We want the ability to speak freely. This is where it comes from. It affects you and I today. We can speak freely. We're not told what to say and what not to say. But if you say something in the world we live in today, if you say something that's not right, there will be an army of people that will speak against you. I've seen it even in this past week. You just watch Facebook and you watch Twitter and the comments that have been made. The world we live in is so technological and digital. Things spread rapidly. Values on the campus become the values of society. The values on your, on your college campuses today will find its way into society in five, ten years from now. So the key thing is what are the values on the college campuses? It will become part of, part of the culture. And the key thing is if we can get onto the college campuses and we can share Christ with them, we will have Christ values as part of society. Women's liberation started many, many years ago. It's impacted society today, where women are not inferior. Because there were a group of women who said, we're not standing for this anymore. What about, what about fashion? What about fashion? Now, some of you weren't born at this time. But, you know, in the 60s and 70s, that was the hippie era. You know, these were values amongst amongst society in that day that still impact us today. You see, what did the hippie movement bring? Everybody was laid back. We're just going to just chill. We're just going to relax. We're just going to smoke weed. And guess what? It was the time when contraceptives were developed. You know what? It's free sex now for everybody. And we're just going to enjoy life to the full. Guess what? We're reaping that today. 
Some people have no morals. Some people have no values. They will do what they want to do. It started somewhere as an idea. And we feel the effects today. Why every campus? The campus is where the most available, trainable masses are located. Hungry to learn. I want you to think for a moment. How many, do you, how many people do you think are on college campuses around the world? According to the stats that I found on the internet, there are 130 million college students currently uh, studying at college. They say that by the year 2025, that will be double. 260 million college students. Wow. I don't know if that excites you, but that excites me. What an amazing harvest field for us to go and reach them with the virus of Jesus Christ. So we can bring about a change, not just in this nation, but in the nations of the world. Because what happens in other nations impacts you right here. What happens in your nation impacts other nations. What's happening at Victory in, in the Philippines, let me tell you something, friends, is impacting the nations of the world. Amen. You should be excited about that. Go Filipinos. Amen. Why, the, why every campus? Majority of those who become Christians make the decisions during their student years. All right, raise your hands. If you came to know the Lord before the age of 21, Raise your hand. Please don't be shy. Jesus is looking. Okay. You know, I came to know the Lord, and that's the picture of me at, when I was at university at the age of, of 21. You know, there was no campus ministry or anything like that during my days, which was many years ago. But as a university student, I had some people who carried the Christian virus, who were praying for me, who shared the love of Jesus Christ with me. In September 1979, I was infected with the virus of Jesus Christ. My life radically, radically changed that I became a carrier of Christ. And I look every moment of every day for recipients to be able to pass this virus unto. And I travel the world now in a number of places to share the love of Christ with people. Because I want what I've got inside of me, I want to share that with so many other people. I came to know the Lord at the age of 21. The, the Barna Research Groups, when they looked at statistics about when people become Christians, they found out that 64% became Christian before the age of 18. 13 between the ages of 18 and 21. And 23% after the age of 21. So if we summarize that, 77% make decisions before the age of 21. Friends, that is why we are on every campus. That's the vision that we have, is to be on every campus in every nation. Because we know this statistic is so true that about 77% of people come to know Christ before the age of 21. 
Because that's when young people are searching for something. They're looking for something to fill the void in their life. That's why they experiment with so many things. That's why they'll experiment with drugs. That's why they'll experiment with sex. That's why they'll experiment with this thing and this thing and this philosophy and that philosophy. Because they're trying to find meaning in life. Friends, I believe we have the answer. And the answer is Jesus Christ. That is why we have to get on the campus. Amen? Why every campus? The campus is where thousands of international students from unreached nations are studying and are very open to being reached for Christ. I'm sure you've got international students studying here at your colleges. But where I come in New Zealand is that we have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of international students. Students from, from the United Emirates, from, uh, from, from Asia, from South America, from the islands. They're studying at our universities and there's no restrictions. We can openly go and preach the gospel to them. Share the love of Jesus Christ with them. At the moment, we've got Indonesian students coming to our church. Some of them are not saved, but we are reaching them, loving them with the gospel of Christ. Why every campus is God promise. When God promises something, friends, He always delivers. If He promises, He delivers. He promises to pour out His Spirit in the last days upon sons and daughters. Acts 2.17 says, In the last day God says, I will pour out My Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. God promised that He will pour out His Spirit on all our young people. Friends, that's a promise of God. That's what I hold on to. Whenever I have an opportunity to be a carrier for Jesus Christ. Why every campus? Because when you reach a student, you touch his or her family. Friends, this is so true. When a young person gets radically saved, the parents notice the change. The siblings notice the change. And the parents start to respond to the love of Christ. This happened to us when we, we first started our church in Christchurch, New Zealand. We came across this young lady on campus. She's a Maori girl. And Maori are the local people or the indigenous people of New Zealand. And what happened in her particular family, the family split up. At the age of 15, she, she moved in with her boyfriend. The mom and dad separated. The family really was all over the city and then all over the nations of the world. We reached out to this young lady on the college campus and she got radically saved. Just an amazing, amazing story. Actually, her family are quite an influential family because the Maori people are very tribal in New Zealand and, and they come from a very influential tribe. But guess what? She was infected with the virus of Christ. Her sister came from London and... Uh, and, her, and she told the story of what has happened to her life. It was a few days later, her sister got saved. Gave her life to the Lord. Guess what? She was infected with the virus. Isn't that exciting? I don't know about you, but I'm getting excited here. You know what? It didn't stop. Just about a month later, 
the mother was invited to church. Guess what happened? Friends, never ever give up praying for your family. Never give up. You keep praying, you keep trusting God, and never give up. When you hear the story of this family, you will keep on praying for your family. Guess what? The mother responded. Now remember, the parents had been separated for 15 years. One day I can remember, and it's so clear as I look at you, the dad walked in and he's a big Maori guy. And I remember he was sitting right at the back of my church. I gave an altar call. This enormous, he's lost weight by the way. (laughs) He was big then. This enormous man came forward and he was weeping in the front. He surrendered his life to Christ. You reach a student, you reach a family. The story doesn't stop there. Three months after his commitment, him, him and his the wife that he had separated from 15 years ago came into my office and said, I believe God's calling us to renew our vows and to be married again. And I, praise God. Hallelujah. This family, after being 15 years of dysfunction and separated, they got married, renewed their vows, and as a step of being a family together, they went and bought a house together. And lived a normal family life for about five or six years until the daughters got jobs. The one daughter had moved to another part of New Zealand. Powerful powerful story. Touch a student, you touch a family. Why am I on the campus? Why do I love the college kids? Because I know that if they can get infected with the virus and they give their lives to Christ, you will touch their families. Amen? Here's some statistics that I, I, believe, I hope will help you get excited for what God's called us to do. Nearly half of the world's population, some 3 billion people, is under the age of 25. 61% of them live in Asia. A lot of young people. Amen? The Asian region has the largest number of young people. 754 million. Do you know how many people that is? A lot. Okay. It's a lot. One fifth of the population in South Asia is between the ages of 15 and 24. India alone has some 200 million young people. You know, when I look at statistics like that, I see that these are world changers. If we reach these young people with the gospel of Christ, they will change the world. They will change the world. As every nation, um, here we're looking at getting onto the college campuses and starting works in, in, in Pakistan, in Israel, Sri Lanka, and Tibet. Isn't that exciting? Come on, anybody call to Pakistan? Anybody? I see all these hands, hallelujah. Anybody call to Israel? I know if I say Christ Church, you'll all put up your hand. Amen? You see... I really believe this is a saying that we have quoted so many times. If you change the campus, you'll change the world. Imagine, let your mind just wander for a brief moment. If our college campuses were changed and they were all believers, what would the world be like today? 
Can you imagine how the world will change? But friends, let me tell you something. The devil is also not happy. He also has a plan. He's got a similar saying. Change the campus, change the world. He's also saying, I can change the campus with my way and bring darkness to the world. But we want to bring the light of Christ to the world. The enemy brings darkness, we bring the light. Let me close by saying to you, what's your response? Do you feel that you want to respond? Do you want to respond? Come on, friends, let me tell you something. I want you to respond because I believe God wants us all to respond to this. Let's go back to our first scripture. And I want you to put your name where it had Paul's name. I want to put your name in there. Okay? While your name, Susie. While Susie was waiting for them in Alabang. She was greatly. What emotion do you feel? When you see what's happening to your city and the nations of the world, what do you see? You see, some of you might think, actually, this is a nice place. I love this corruption. It's good. A few people get everything and we get nothing. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Is that what... Are you happy with that? When you look at your city, your nation and nation... What emotion happens here? Paul was greatly distressed. Are you greatly distressed? Because if you're not, you won't do anything. If you're happy with what you see, you're not going to change. But let me tell you, I'm greatly distressed. There's great things happening in your nation. There's amazing things happening. But there's some things that I'm greatly distressed about. When I look at New Zealand, same thing. Great things, but there's some things I'm greatly uh, uh, distressed about. The suicide rate, depression in our nation. People have no purpose. It, It really bothers me. That's why I do what I do. You see, friends, what is your part in missions? What is your part in the gospel going viral? You see, there are three parts to this. God wants you to become a carrier. You have to become a carrier. It's not a choice. You, know, you don't even have to pray about it. Don't say, well, pastor, I'm going to pray, pray about it. No, no, we've already prayed. You're a carrier. You're a carrier. You have Christ in you. If you have Christ in you, you're a carrier. And so I know you're asking, well, pastor, what can I do? I'm so glad you asked me that. There are three things you can do. Number one, you can pray. Pray for the missionaries that are on the college campuses. You know, some of the missionaries in some places, their lives are at risk. Did you know that? People's lives are in danger. People have been physically abused, verbally abused. On our campus, in a nation like New Zealand, our campus ministers, I think it was about three years ago, they were spat upon by people. Because they didn't want us to be on campus. But we are determined to be there. You can pray. How many of you can pray? If you can speak, you can pray. Amen? You can pray. What else can you do? I'm so glad you asked. You can give. You can give. You can give financially. 
in order to support the missionaries and the vision that God has given us to be on every campus. And you can go. How many of you want to go? Do you know, it's, it's great. Let me tell you something. If you go, it'll change your life. I want to encourage you, look for opportunity. Pastor Ariel will mention some opportunities when I, when I, when I finish what I'm saying. But go. There are three things that you can do. The last one was recipient. Who are the recipients? Is our students. Pray, give, go are our university students, our young people on the colleges. What's the virus? The virus is the gospel of Jesus Christ. What Jesus did for every single one of us. He died on the cross for every single one of us. Let, I pray you'll become a carrier. I pray that you will look for recipients. You might not go to other nations, but there's students right here in your city. Deposit the virus of Christ in their lives. Amen. We hope you were inspired by that message. Victory's heart is to disciple not just our culture and community, but also the world. You can be part of this vision by joining us in praying for our missionaries or even by giving to our mission's efforts. Every hand extended in support makes a difference in bringing the gospel to the nations. Thank you and stay connected.